Hey, potty heads. Mitch uh, from Blockbusted here. Just letting you guys know that Max and I picked these films before uh, some of the more recent events in the political climate occurred. Um, we understand that it's currently a sensitive time for a lot of people, and we, we did this episode with the most sincerest beliefs behind it in the stories that they're telling, and we give out support to those who are suffering. Welcome to Blockbusted, the movie review podcast where two podcasters ask, should we start this episode with a joke? I'm Mitch. I'm Max. And today we're looking at Persepolis and Shida. Alrighty, another fantastic episode just began. You ready, Max? I am ready, Mitchell. Are you ready to unveil the theme for this week, if people haven't been able to figure it out from the intro and the title? And the movies that we're doing. Well, I mean, that'd be in the title. Yeah. And Are you ready to unveil the theme? <laughs> we can unveil the theme. This week, we're looking at two films showcasing the lives of Iranian women in uh, t- like sort of in timing with the this year's awarding of the Nobel Peace Prize uh, to and now I'm going to pronounce the name probably wrong uh, <gasps> Najas Mohammadi can you like step off my brand that'd be sick who is a woman in Iran who's currently detained by the moral police there um, who has spent most of her adult life in prison after and during um, campaigning for increased rights for women in Iran. And I think the movies that we're going to have a look at today sort of showcase a little bit of that and hopefully we can talk about it as two white guys. Yeah, I did want to. So I wanted to just quickly before we really jump in, I think I, it's really important to reiterate. We've we've made jokes about this before, and we've touched on it before. But I think we should really iterate that we are both two men of the white variety. We haven't lived as the oppressed ever. I, like we we've never experienced that. I believe not, as not a, direct oppression. Unless you count like high school, nothing that no one else is also being oppressed by as well. We're not, we're not, not, not a special oppression as a uh, yeah. Special is the wrong word. Not a specific to us oppression. Unique, maybe. Yeah, that's the one. A unique impression. Uh, impression. I forgot the word now. What's a what is, what's the Oppre- word? Oppression. Oppression. I was like impression, depression, obstetrician. Fuck. Um, Obst- no, not obstetrician. That's something totally different. The worst oppression. Ooh. All right, let's take that. Oh. I, I said to myself, no shithouse jokes this episode because of the theme, and I've immediately done myself a dirty. But yes, we will be talking about these two films, and it's just I think it's important to point out who we are as people before we discuss them. And that's that's I think I think I think we're good to go from there now. I, I think we're ready to discuss these films. I agree. Should we jump in? I think we should. Spoiler alert for Persepolis and Shido. Persepolis. Uh, A mixture of both French and Iranian names in this one, so I'm sweating a little bit. Uh, Directed by Majan Satrapi and Vincent Paranau uh, and released in 2007. It stars Chiara... Oh, fuck. That's just a normal name. Chiara Mastroianni, oh, <clears throat> fuck! Chiara Mastroianni, Catherine Deneuve, Daniela Derieu, and Simon Abkarian. Max, what is Persepolis about? I can't believe you skipped over Sean Penn. Which version of this did you watch? <laughs> I watched the French version. I watched the French version as well. So I, I didn't look at the French cast. I only look. I mean, sorry, I didn't look at the English cast. No, I know. I'm just looking at the. I'm just trying to find the cast list, but. 
it's like, why was it Sean Penn? <laughs> Sorry. Was Sean Penn? Why, I don't think he's in this. Why would he be in the other one either? That doesn't make any he's, sense. He's in the English one. Is he really? Is he did play the dad or something? Yeah, he does. Oh, well, I, as I said, I didn't. I watched it in the original language, so I wasn't going to give it to the. You know, yeah, you know, I didn't sorry. know Christian Bale was in Howl's Moving Castle for ye- like years. Yeah, it's very strange. I, like, it's very strange looking at some of those voice casts going like, who, who, like, I get you're trying to do the star factor sort of thing. We should, when we talk about Persepolis. <laughs> Persepolis is, in fact, a adaptation of a graphic novel, which itself is a memoir by the... Uh, director Majan Satrapi, um, and it's a story about her life growing up as a child in Iran during or just before rather the Iranian Revolution in 1979, moving to Vienna, um, moving back to Iran, and then leaving uh, Iran completely to go to France. Um, and it's basically a story about the author and what did you think of it actually i'm gonna i'm gonna give a context i think about why we about further context about why we chose this movie so initially this wasn't slated these movies weren't slated on our um upcoming releases um shader was something that i was interested in seeing but wasn't really on the radar for the podcast because uh, it was probably outside of the scope of what we were looking at um but the film that we wanted to do got pushed back. So um, we decided to do this instead. And the reason I suggested we do Persepolis with it is because I read the graphic novel when I was a bit younger, um, probably when I was a teenager. So five or 10 ish years ago, I can't remember. Depending on what level teen you are, it would depend on how long ago it was. Level teen? I'm a level 13 teen. I'm a level 13 teen and I know Hyperbeam. I put all my points into acne. I still have all my points in acne. I still have too many leftover points in acne. Yeah, they didn't migrate into the adult skill tree. Like yeah. I wanted them to. I wanted them to migrate into like back hair or something, but I wanted it to migrate to muscle <laughs> definition. But apparently, you have to work with that one. It's messed up. So you watched. So you read it <laughs> when you were. Uh, I read the graphic novel a few years ago and really liked it. Um, knew there was a movie about it by, um, the creator of the graphic novel. Um, in the style of the graphic novel, and went, oh, why don't we do this? It's a um, sort of similar themes to to the other film that we were talking about and um much like the graphic novel i i i quite like this i think it's really um nice and unique uh coming of age story and um a really interesting look into the life of someone that's quite different to you or i as as we were saying but also like quite relatable it is a relatable film but i had a had a a smidgen of an issue with it and that was i would rather have read it (laughs) that's pretty much it i think it was a good story for a book or a graphic novel i don't think it transitioned well into a film that's pretty much my biggest issue with the film and that's why i probably i don't think i'm harsh on it i just didn't connect very well with it and not because the story itself is not connect worthy it's just i think i would have much rather read it yeah no i absolutely understand that and and i i would i tend to agree i think yeah the the way the book is written um does this really phenomenal job that the movie sort of captures glimpses of but doesn't really ever um strike the same sort of impact that the book does um and as much as it is still this really great story, it is much more condensed and it is um, a different medium that, that you're trying to tell the story in. And um, as much as it is adapted to an extent, I think there is a little bit, a little bit of reliance on the graphic novel as source material and um, maybe not enough adaptation to film as a medium or feature film as a medium. And as a result, yeah, you lose some of that. But that aside, yeah, 
what were your what were your thoughts? I think it looked really good, and I assume this is as you mentioned, it's the same style as the graphic novel. So I think, unfortunately, you're talking to someone who hasn't read the graphic novel. I didn't know this existed until you pitched it for. Well, maybe maybe I heard about it too. So you know, I wasn't fully aware of it. And so I think the style is really good. And I think the story itself is compelling. I, I just feel it just felt there were chunks missing. And I assume there's stuff that they had to cut out to make the, make it a viable film, a, yeah. a viable story for a film. And it just, it felt like every single time something was becoming interesting, we cut to the next thing. And I just, cause you, there's a certain level of buy-in you need for each individual part of the film because it's really just people telling different stories. And the first maybe third or maybe quarter and a bit is her family telling stories to her because she's a young child and and all that. And each time I was like, oh, another new story. All right, here we go. Come on. And I'd get and then I'd get invested about right at the end because that's how long I because I hadn't had a long time to, you know, get into it. And then just cut and it's like, oh, well, then that's it. And I don't know if that I, I don't know if that's an issue that the graphic novel has because obviously I haven't read it, but it's definitely something I, I it feels like something that I didn't have a chance to get to know the people that were telling the stories before it cut to the next thing. Yeah, I mean, I I could go on about how um like the differences in mediums really allow for that to play less of an effect in a, in, in a format like a comic or a graphic novel, you, you can literally, well, one of the best things about graphic novels is that you, as the reader, have the ability to control how long things take and in the order in which they take. Yeah. Um, and it really lets you sit with certain beats for as long as you need to sit with those beats. And it sort of allows for that, those payoffs to be, a little bit smaller each time as well, I think. Yeah. There's, you know, the, there's the cliche thing of every every frame of painting, that type of thing. And you definitely get the sense of that in this. You, you get it, you'll get it in the sense of more stylistic animation because it's so done in such a way that, yes, you could pause on any frame and you will be provided something pretty beautiful because that's just how the, the a good animation should probably work. With this one... I would definitely agree that there are moments where very specific frames are meant to be paintings though, but you don't have the ability to stop and look at it mm. because the film's going to continue moving on. And so while it feels like what happened was they transplanted a very well done uh, cell in a graphic novel and placed it and did a good job of it, placing it into the film. But as you mentioned, the reader is one who, is the one who controls the speed at which you move to the next frame in a graphic novel, and it, it, they look like things that I would want to linger on if I was reading a graphic novel. But in this, you, I don't have that choice. I have to, and and stopping and starting will kill what the film's trying to do as well, because that's not the flow that the film has decided it wants to take. And so, I either have to decide. No, screw the director. I'm going to watch the film at the pace I want to, which is insane because I'm one of those people who's utterly against watching things on two times speed because that's just absolutely idiotic. Watch it on normal speed or don't watch it at all. Unless it's a unless it's a, a lecture. You can watch those yeah, on two times speed. Yeah, if it's a lecture, speed. watch it on, uh, as fast as you want. If it's art, you have to... If it's like... Uh, I mean, uh, if it's a podcast, you can listen to our podcast on two times speed. Go for it. But other <laughs> podcasts, listen to them at normal speed. Because they were designed, they, they had intentions. We don't have intentions. We just talk. It, and the same with this. I couldn't watch this. I couldn't watch this slow down. I couldn't stop and start again because that's not how the movie was designed. And I need to watch the movie as it's designed. I can't affect it, basically. You know what I mean? I can't put my little spin on it. Yeah. And that's the issue. That's basically, that's, I, it's going to come back to the same issue over and over again is that I think this just works. This would work. And I think from your reaction, it does work a lot better as a graphic novel than it does as a film. But let's talk about something nice. I'm going to talk about some good stuff about it, though. Yeah, I think yeah, no, go, go, go. The voice acting is really good. I will... Um, and this isn't <laughs> this isn't like a red title thing where no one really talks for it, so we can actually talk about the voice acting um, this time. I think everyone does a really good job. I think the grandma is probably a standout for me. And she's written in such a funny way as well. She's great, yeah. I think the character... 
And then the person who embodies that character does a really good job. And it was because the grandma is probably what managed to anchor me through the rest of the film. Because otherwise I was probably going to like it a lot less than I did. Because as I mentioned before, I was having a hard time connecting to the stories that were being told. But the grandma is kind of a bit of a constant throughout. Obviously, the dad and the mom are there as well. And I liked them, but they weren't as endearing as the grandma is. And so the grandma manages to keep me, kept me, kept me in. I don't know how to describe it, but, but yeah. And I thought she was just great. And then obviously I think each iteration of Mahjong is very good. I think little girl Mahjong didn't irritate the shit out of me, which is very impressive because children can easily become very irritating. Uh, what do you think? Yeah. Um, that like that part of the book, the, so, um, little extra content for you. Context, content, context. So Persepolis, the graphic novel is, is split into two halves. And the first half, um, is mostly her as, as that young child. And the second half is her, um, growing up and moving around and, um, becoming an adult sort of thing. Um, and me personally, I, I liked the first half where she's a child a lot more because you get this really interesting, uh, take on what it, like what a kid is. It's like, it's, you have this character who's really, um, inquisitive and interested in the world, but also really susceptible to, um, the ideas that, people tell them the i i think it's really like it, it's a it's reasonably like blatant in the way that it does it but i think it, it it really like showcases this idea that like kids are really like moldable and will sort of a lot of the time think what you want them to think because you tell them to think it well i, I definitely agree a little bit of mitchell law i was a christian for maybe three days <laughs> Uh, because my primary school ran religious education and it was, you had, the parents had to buy into it. I think like you had to be like a, what's it called when you opt in? Oh no, it's probably an opt out actually. It's probably an opt out. And my parents didn't opt out because they saw religious education and they thought, oh, that's going to be Mitchell learning about a lot of different religions. So Buddhism, Muslim, Christianity, more about Judaism as well. You know, multitudes, different, different types. That's what they thought it was. No, it's just Christianity. And I had never really come across this concept as a six-year-old, uh, the idea of religion and all that. I mean, obviously I grew up Jewish, but it wasn't a very heavily religious household. It was more a cultural one, whereas we just did the festivals and all that. And six-year-old me bought into God pretty quickly because I was like, yeah, it has to be a, someone made this. this. It'd be crazy if someone didn't. And then I got angry with my parents when they said that is, they, didn't, they didn't believe in it. They didn't say I was wrong. They just said that they didn't believe in it. And I was like, how could you? <laughs> what? I was basically one of those people who come to your door and, and is like, it has to be made, right? Because it's just so perfect. You, you know what I mean? Like the Mormons. It's just Mormons. I was basically a Mormon. Or a Jehovah's Witness. Either or of those irritating people, leave us alone. We don't buy your religion. They're not listening to this podcast. They can't use technology. Anyway. I think the Jehovah's Witnesses can. It was a joke. Obviously, one of them can. No, wait. We give out free blood donations. Now they won't listen. We, we support gay rights. Oh, that would have been so much easier. And also a better political stance than blood donations. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> They're not listening now. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. It, the and, and we see a similar kind of thing in this. Because my parents are saying that they didn't believe in it. And they explained their thought process and all that. And I was like, oh, actually, I think I prefer that as well. You know, six-year-old me. I was like, I'll go with the parents over the, over the school. And since then, I've made my own decisions about what I believe and what I don't believe. It's nothing, by the way. I don't believe in anything. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, d tell me, Mitch, do you believe in God? No, I do not. Um, but I do respect those who do, as long as they are respectful about how I view things as well. It's, it's, it's both ways. There needs to be respect going both ways. And my point about that whole story <laughs> is that it was very relatable to see how little Mahjong dealt with the propaganda from 
the school and then what her parents said and how she switched pretty quickly. Like I, I felt that was extraordinarily well done and it's good. It's good. Um, characterization for her as well because it kind of shows where she's getting these ideas from and but it also makes her human and it makes us kind of want to watch her and so i just yeah i wanted to kind of just go off on that and say yeah i i thought it was really that was good yes yeah i i think a lot of these like it's what the story does really well is it seeds these like ideas in in this section of in the section of the film where she is younger and they see them these ideas of uh independence and freedom and um socialism and um anarchy and um those sort of ideas and then they sort of filter through the rest of the film as well um she her family's like uh socialist and supports communist like supports communists and then she grows up and gets involved with a whole bunch of like punk kids she gets involved with some anarchists and some like hippies and liberal free thinkers sort of thing and it doesn't sort of come out of nowhere it's not like i'm it it didn't feel disconnected it really felt like her character and again like this is really weird to say because like yes it's character um even though it's a true story but it's based on a person and um you really get this like sense of evolution from this is sort of where they were and this is what they are now and there's a really clear through line that you get with that character and i think that's what this story does really most effectively is the characters that it focuses on which are very very few there, there are lots of characters in the film but i don't think it really focuses on many other than Marjan, um her grandmother um uh, her parents to an extent and some of her um, love interests. But um, I think what it does when it wants to look at a character, it looks at a character really effectively and in a lot of depth. And um, you understand why a character thinks that the way they do and how they, why they interact with the world in the way that they do. Um, yeah, it very much feels real, which is um, like, again, I, I know I'm saying this for like the fifth time, but Yes, it is based on a true story, but the ability to be able to turn that into something that is that feels genuinely authentic is really impressive. There are a lot of biographical films that don't manage to make it feel real. They make it seem crap house, and it's probably because they've lied a bunch in it. But it's there's like I, I'm blanking on biographical films now. Uh, probably something like Black Mass, I guess, or Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> I remember, so I was looking, so this is on Stan, so for those who want to watch, it's on Stan in Australia. It is on Stan, yes. Um, and if, if you're not in Australia, get screwed. Just look it up. It's somewhere, probably. It's a French Use film. Use our sponsor, NordVPN. <laughs> we're not sponsored by NordVPN. We're not, don't have a sponsor. That's a joke. No free advertising on this podcast. How about Schnord Schmeepy Schmen? Sure. Because they're not real. Because they're not real. Yeah. Turns out they're like some sort of sheep shearing people in Auckland. Um, when I was looking at it on stand, there was a whole bunch of um, like recommended um, biographies and stuff. Oh, yeah. And like some of them like sort of made sense. Um, there was like Loving Vincent, which was a I got biography. Yeah, um, it's like animated of, as well. Which is an animated biography of Van- of Isabel. Um, there was another one which I've totally forgot the name of, which was about uh, which is about a refugee. It's also animated. It's also a biography. And then you scroll a little bit further and you get the social network. And I'm like, mm, I'm fairly sure that's yeah. reasonably fictionalized. You scroll a little bit further and you get It's a Wonderful Life. And I'm like, I'm fairly sure that's actually like mostly a story. Um, and- no, no, no. He definitely, definitely got knocked unconscious and imagined an alternative universe where he was not existing. Is that what happens in that? I hated that movie when I watched it. I don't like James Stewart, which I know is really controversial to say. I don't like him. He really irritates me. Jimmy Stewart, I should probably say, not James Stewart. His name's not James. Is it James? Mr. James Stewart. Mr. Stewart. I don't like Mr. Stewart. I I watched him in uh, Rio Window, and he just moans and complains and he has a really beautiful woman throwing herself at him and he's just like no i have to take pictures of the murderer next door 
Give me pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> but Mitchell, he can't. He's in, he's incapacitated. Oh, that's right. He's emasculated because his yeah, legs he's broken. A, he's emasculated because little bitch. his dick is in a cast. Yeah, he's big dick. That's uh, he, uh, he's emasculated because he got hit by a, a car before the film started. It's just, just irritating. And then he gets thrown out a window and I say, good. You deserve that, James Stewart. And I hate you. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, Persepolis really feels like a story where regardless of how accurate it is to the author's actual life, it feels like a genuine story. It doesn't feel like at any point you're going like, oh, this seems unbelievable. That would never that would never be riots in Iran. <laughs> how preposterous. But like less so than that and more the like the characters act in a believable way and like people get angry and upset about stupid things and they have like hopes and wants and dreams and fears and like actual nuance that makes them genuinely interesting characters and the fact that it's it that is captured reasonably well. I think is is testament. I think that comes down once again to like really good scripting and really good voice acting once again. But I really do keep just running against the barrier of that. I just I had no buy in because I just I kept it kept moving too quick and which is insane because I think the movie's not even that. It's pretty like, no, it's long-ish. I think ninety five minutes. Oh, it's a ninety minute. Yeah, honestly, could have been longer. It should have been longer. Uh, they should have let it mellow just a smidgen. Yeah, no, I, I can definitely say that. And there were definitely times where it would be nice to be able to linger on a couple of scenes just a little bit more um, and kind of just uh, be able to experience those those parts of her life a little bit more. The uncle dies and we just go, all right, next thing. I was like, oh, hold on. No, can we can we just hold on to that a little bit? Like I get that like in life, technically speaking, something bad can happen and you do not get the chance to really linger on it. But yeah. you're trying to tell a story and – it's definitely a stylized story and just give me a chance to be like, oh, he's dead. That sucks. I actually kind of liked him because he you gave me a smidgen amount of time to actually get to know him. Oh, we're just moving on to the next thing. That's fine. Yeah, it's whatever. OK, I don't I didn't even want to care. I don't want to care. Moving on to the next thing. Should we give our scores? Yeah, I think so. Uh, do you want me to go? I'll go first. You go first. All right. So I do want to I want to preface this by saying it's not a failure in style the scripting or the voice acting that I'm giving this score. It's really just a matter of, I think there was a lot lost in the uh, transmission from transmission. Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, translation from graphic novel to film. And so I'm giving it two confiscated bottles of wine and a punk tape out of five. In a similar way, I think my score might be a little bit artificially inflated for my nostalgia for the original um, graphic novels and the context that I have of that. Um, but I'm giving Persepolis four times I was lied to about a movie being about a ancient Persian city out of five. It's time for Maximum just Mini Media. I watched the final season of Sex Education, and it was fine, which is really disappointing because the first three seasons are really good. And this is the last season. So I've actually heard that apparently this was not meant to be the last season in the writer's room, at least. They didn't write this to be the last season, and then they found out pretty quickly that this was the the last season. Very Bojack Horseman, as it were. So... I will semi-excuse a decent amount of the issues that I have with it because of that, because there's only so much you can do to fix it. But there are problems in it that I don't think were affected by that at all. And I just don't see why they chose certain directions to go. They also did this thing. <laughs> Does people do you, do you mind if I spoil like a little bit of sex education? No, no you go. Okay, so at the end of season three, four events events occur, and basically the school that the first three seasons that the show takes place in it gets closed down. They have to move to a new school in season four, and they a bunch of the core cast goes to the new school, but a lot of the core cast doesn't return either, and that felt really weird. And they're even there's like there's mention of them like they're not just rich now completely. There is like a oh they're not present type thing. 
but it's just I don't know. I don't I don't know if this was just an issue with getting the cast members back or trying to ride a smaller budget or something like that, but whatever it was, it, there were people missing and it, I could feel them missing. And I didn't like that. Uh I won't say much more than that because I my rest of my stuff is spoiler based, but yeah, it's just disappointing. And we're not going to get another season, so it's never going to be fixed either, unless people really demand it. But or it gets picked up by a streaming service. I mean, it's on Netflix. Yeah, but like, if it get, you know, like they get picked up by a different service, and they'll be like, "Oh, does that ever happen?" Like- Sometimes I know, like Community went from Yahoo to something else, but I didn't. I don't think anything ever gets taken from Netflix. Netflix is the one that does the picking up usually. No, because I know like Paramount did some and HBO did some, and but they won't take from shows. Netflix. They, Netflix know. won't give them it. Netflix won't let them take it. Netflix is so based around its exclusives that it needs. It can't let anyone take it, even if it's done. They will be like, no, I, not allowed. Do you think? Do you think like much of that has to do with the writers' actors' strike? Uh, no, surely it must have been done before that. It has to have been like the the because it came out. A couple months ago as well. Like, I'm only just recently caught up. So I don't think so. If anything, because it felt like when some shows tried to fix shit, when they had to do recording and shooting during COVID. Mm. Obviously, we still got COVID going on, but when there was proper like lockdowns and stuff. Yeah, but I don't believe the time frame really sits for that. I don't think there was a COVID issue when they shot it. I don't know. It's just very, it's so disheartening that a show, because I don't know, have you watched any certification? I, I, I haven't watched any of it, no. Look, this isn't Game of Thrones level of they dropped the ball. It's still fine, and you'll find enjoyment in season four. You won't be watching it and thinking, who wrote this? Because I don't think the same people did. Oh, okay, I really actually need to talk about this. So, <laughs> And this isn't coming from me either, but I I thought this, but I thought maybe I was being a little prick when I thought this. And so I didn't think of it as like something that was actually an issue until I saw that a lot of the LGBTQIA plus community mirrored my thoughts as well. So I was like, oh, I'm actually not being a little dickhead. I'm actually, this is a legitimate thing. In season one to three, there's a lot of representation of different uh, genders and sexual relation, uh, sexual, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sexual preferences. Oh, orientations as well. Yes. There's a lot of that showing off and oh, showing off. Sorry, not showing off. It's there. That's actually the problem. Sorry. A lot of it's just there and people just, it's kind of casual. And a lot of the time it's not, uh, an issue of the drama or if it is, it's very much looked at and discussed and dissected and why, this person is not a freak for being this. They are perfectly fine for, you know, being this way and all that. So that, and that's really cool because it really normalizes a lot of the uh, genders and sexual orientations that don't receive as much media coverage as say more, I'm not going to say the popular ones, but the more. Yeah. The the popular ones, cishet. No, I'm, I'm, I mean, obviously, cishet's there, but I'm talking about like just lesbian and and gay and that type of. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. They're, they're they're more present, and then there's these more diverse diverse subsets, and then ones that aren't even really affiliated with that as well. Like, it, it's a it's a broad and big community that deserves to be represented, and the show did a good job of it and doing it in a casual way to make it seem like these people just are people. And they live just like you and me, and they're not different to us. It's just their gender and their sexual identity is slightly different. Season four kind of makes it a bit more showy and makes it a bit more like, oh, this person's a thinger, or this person's a that or well, you know what I mean? Like it's very it's and I was thought, am I am I being am I just being cishet right now? Am I being very just like, how dare you? How dare you put your thing in front of me? I, I'm I'm shocked and flabbergasted. But no, it, it turns out this is an issue that other people also had with the show in that it no, it didn't normalize these things. It, it kind of made them a, check this out. We have a character that's this and we have a character that's that. And so, yeah, I that's also just really disappointing because the show did a really good job of just 
normalizing stuff. And then it kind of stopped doing that for some reason. And I'm so sure that the writers didn't change. So I don't know why that happened. And that, that can't be blamed on them not knowing that it was a final show. That must have been in the DNA from the beginning for this season. So, yeah, it's Unless just disappointing. It came down from from a like executive. If that's the case, then unsurprising, first of all, and if, and and then the, or still disappointing. But until shown otherwise, I won't assume that because I just don't know, and I can't I can't throw blame at someone because as far as I'm aware, it's a writer problem. And until I'm told otherwise, I will maintain it's a writer problem because someone wrote it. And I don't know what the writer was told, but I'm going to assume they were given the same freedom as they were told to do for the rest of the show as well. So, yeah, that's that's me done. Well, the, the sex, education, sex education's done. Yep. Mitch's Next. sex education is done. Yeah, I actually still don't know what it is. I just know it happens. What do you do? What did you mini media this week, Max? I was I kind of was scraping the bottom of the barrel this week. I'm not going to lie; I've been kind of busy. Oh, no. But but um, there is one thing that I have done, and you have also done. Um, in fact, we do it together, and that is play a little game called Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. This is an indie game that not many people it's know an, about. It's an indie game that not many people know about. No, it's um, one of the big games that came out for the Switch like three or four years ago. Um, we got into it recently because we're lame and bad at keeping up to date with things. I only bought a Switch like three to four months ago. <laughs> um, but we- You've had yours since the beginning. You haven't, you yeah, don't have an excuse. I never bought- Yeah, Smash that's Ultimate. crazy. Um, but, uh, we've been playing that. We've been playing a mode where you play through all the characters. Uh, for those who are familiar with the game, there's the Smashdown mode, um, where Mitch and I try and uh, beat each other to a pulp, but um, we're playing various Nintendo characters and also Solid Snake from Metal Gear. Um, and Capcom. And, like Street Fighter. And the Street Fighter ones. And there's a like, cast of it. it, What's it there's, Final, there's an Final extensive Fantasy's, list now. Final Fantasy Square Enix. Um, there's an extensive list now. There's Minecraft in it. That's Mojang. There's a uh, Pac-Man. That's Namco. I was gonna say, what's that one? <laughs> that's basically Nintendo at this point, right? No, it's Bandai Namco. No, that's different. Still, they have a huge presence in Japan. Oh, really? Yeah. But yeah, people don't care about who else is in this game. Everyone's there. Wait, everyone's wait, there. Everyone's there. <laughs> that's the tagline of this. I think it's everyone's here anyway. But it's funny if I say everyone's there because we're not we're not there right now, so we have to say it from the outside. Everyone's over there. <laughs> everyone's over there. Everyone's over there. Um, but we've been playing that. We've been playing it a lot when we hang out and we do our meetings to talk about the show and uh, meetings to hang out as friends. Um, and D and D, the very form meetings before D and D. Before we reveal we play D and D, we can't hide from that anymore. Yeah, I, yeah, but just busting out and smacking each other around. We used to be like roughly the same skill level. Um, Mitch has now gotten a lot better than me. It's just, um, I'm just cracked at smash down. <laughs> um, it is great. Cause it forces everyone to not choose the same character every time. Yeah. Um, like you did the first like time we me. played, played, played like link seven times in a row till we eventually unlocked someone else that you could pick seven times in a row. It was actually just Link again. I think it was a different Link. <laughs> yeah, you played Young Link for a bit. You never picked Toon Link though. You have a thing against Toon Link. I look. I like the. I like the Toon Link games. He's too small. Um, he doesn't deserve to be in a fighting arena. He's just no. too innocent. He's too precious. No. Um, but if you haven't played it and you have a Switch, and you want to shell out the full like. $80 or whatever it is to buy this it game. It was like 75 chill it out. Will, it never goes on sale, um, like every Super Smash game. Um, go check it out. It's fun. It's good. It has every character that's ever been in the Super Smash Bros. game. Why don't you talk about the uh, match that spawned the idea to talk about Smash, Down, Smash on Wait, this show? 
I f- and I forgotten. said and I said I should I should talk about this and I, I totally forgot. forgot. I've forgotten about the, this. The what? match where I played as Bowser and just kept grabbing you and jumping off the edge. Because <laughs> Bowser has the most amazing side special of all time, where he just picks the person up, then puts them on his belly, jumps, and then slams down. But if you do that near the edge, you can have Bowser just jump down with the person underneath them. Oh. Uh, just music to my ears and then watch, watching <laughs> <It's>, you <laughs> sitting directly next to you and staring directly at you as Bowser rips you away from the clutches of victory. <laughs> and then we let um then we let Mr. Manager and my roommate duke it out. Because um unfortunately I guess we, we have a higher skill level because we play it a lot more than they do. So it was nice to let them actually <laughs> Be able to play instead of us just yeah, being instead dickheads. of us knocking the knocking them out straight away until, and then, until and then, you put the handicap on. In which case, that pissed me off because <laughs> I didn't like losing. At least I had a reason to, I guess. I was like, I'm on ninety percent from the get go. I don't live unless I'm, my handicap's on a hundred uh, three digits. If my handicap's on three digits, ah, <laughs> shader. Directed by Nura Niasari and released in 2023, it stars Zah Amir Ebrahimi, Leia Purcell, Lucinda Armstrong-Hall, Marjean Aria, and Gillian Nguyen. Max, what is Shader about? Shader is about a woman uh, named Shader and her daughter named Mona, um, who move into a women's shelter in Australia in the mid nineties, um, to escape her, um, abusive husband. And it's a story about, um, her relationship with her daughter and her coming to terms with how she feels about her ex-husband. And again, there's another film about, um, sort of the relationships that take place in, in the sort of environment. So really fun really chill really cool this movie is depressing and bleak and it just really suits the output of australian films because all we do is put out <laughs> bleak and depressing we love to put out urban misery porn is what we, i like to call it we really we really do um we love it we love watching people just be sad. Be sad all the time. Maybe it's because we're sad all the time. Do you think it's like misery loves company? Yeah. Things like that? Yeah. yeah. So I want to start off by talking about the worst thing this film did. I think I know exactly what you're going to talk about. I don't think you do. I don't really? think you do. Okay. Okay. Well, then I've got a different thing that was the worst thing this film did. Okay, I'm gonna guess yours right now, and then I'm gonna see if because it might it might be. But is it the lights, the lighting? It's the lights. Okay, that's not what I was gonna talk about, but that was also a problem. So, I want to just give you guys a quick rundown. If you don't live in Melbourne, in Melbourne, all public transport comes under the PTV uh, umbrella. Oh, no. Okay, no, now I know exactly what you're gonna talk about. <laughs> all public transport comes under the PTV umbrella. Which means all buses, trams, and trains. Which is public transport, Victoria. Public, thank you. Yes, PTV stands for Public Trans uh, Transport Victoria. It was put together in 2012, and beforehand was under a myriad of different names. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just this was really. I said this. I know exactly what you're about to say. The PT. <laughs> this film set up in 1996. I think's when it set. Or you, you mentioned the mid '90s. It was the PTV wasn't invented until 2012, and yet somehow there is a PTV symbol on the, all the buses in this fucking film. So clearly, someone wasn't paying attention. I also looked it up. That model of bus was not used during that time either. So it's just insane. Uh, I believe they should have used all the budget on making sure the buses were accurate. And. It's disgusting. so it's, it's so weird to me because it's so egregious in this one there's one specific moment 
because they stare at it for so when, long. <laughs> when you say it, and and I was just, I was thinking about it sitting in this because I like as soon as you said PTV, I'm like I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> you knew because um, you we probably we both the probably because we weren't we didn't see this movie together like we usually do for a new release. We saw this one separately, but I reckon we both had the same thought at the exact time in the runtime yeah. when we saw it. You see this bright orange bus like there's no way of escaping this bright orange bus it's with the like focus the of that scene with the accordion yeah. in it. but you could just not show the bright orange bus it was totally avoidable that was what frustrated me this so much is that like you could have redone that scene in such a way that you didn't have to linger on the fact that the bus was bright orange or, or, or reveal the PTV symbol just like look directly. At the PTV. Like just, just, just like there was one shot in particular that was particular. It's that just was right really there. Bad. It's right there. <laughs> look, obviously, this is actually not that big an issue. This is something that we're making worse than it actually is. But to say that I wasn't thinking about it for the rest of the film would be a lie. I was definitely just in the back of my mind going, I wonder if I can catch another PTV symbol somewhere. I want to see if I can see it. Also, there was no trams. Like, it's set in Melbourne, but there's no trams. Was it was set in, it Melbourne? in Melbourne? I well, just I mean, it was, it was shot Australia. In, it was shot in Melbourne, clearly. Well, it was it was shot in Melbourne because it was partially funded by the Melbourne International Film Festival. It was like, there was the Melbourne International Film Festival, yeah. Myth, as it were. Yes. Which which you and I managed to miss this year. Yes. Because we're, we're brilliant film dudes. <laughs> Um, no, the one I'm alluding to is um, the scene in which um, Shada is it with the other women in the at the oh, shelter, yeah. and they all okay. go to the club. Um, which What's your experiences not, with but, clubs? Um, I tend to avoid them because I don't like them um, for they two reasons: loud music loud. and flashing lights. Mm. Uh, <laughs> what does the scene have an ample amount of, Max? <laughs> well, well, you, you see, Mitchell. Um, some films, when mm. they um, repeat certain light patterns over and over again in quick succession, will at the beginning of the film say something like, um, please be advised, this film contains a strobing effect or very, very Incredibles, Very Incredibles 2. Um, that may induce epileptic seizures. Like every video game ever as well. I am genuinely surprised this movie did not because- I was seating back in my chair, forcing myself to keep my eyes open mm. because the viewing experience was painful, like physically painful to watch. So um, I'm going to guess that's probably a deliberate choice by the director. I'm not going to, it's it's obviously because it's meant to be like a really intense scene at that point and all that, but I agree that maybe it should have been some sort of warning or I don't know, make me not want to die while watching it. I don't know. I, like I absolutely understand it as a, as a creative, like we're going to show this to really like emphasize the, the like drama or the intensity of that moment. And to an extent, I think you could justify that that moment. Um, she, uh, thinks she sees her ex-husband, her, um, abusive husband in, the club that she's in and, and mm. that's sort of what is happening in this scene. Um, and she's like panicking. And I think there's a justification to say, yes, we can use the strobing effect here. And that does heighten the tension of the scene. What happens though, personally for me is it went on for so long and so much of it was not related to that, that, it both like desensitized me to it and made me hyper aware of the fact that all I'm looking at is a strobing effect because I'm literally sitting back in my chair, like gripping the armrests with my eyes, like because otherwise I would have just closed my eyes because it was not a pleasant viewing experience. And I genuinely like, I, I, I don't normally have big things that I'll go this is like a major thing that this movie is like getting marked down for for me, but mm. like this one unfortunately did. Like, um, a lot of the film I really, really liked, a lot of the yeah. film had really great, um, relationships with, between the characters and, um, developed, uh, characters in an interesting way and, uh, got to showcase like the life of, 
Iranian migrants in Australia, and um, it does a lot of that really effectively. Not even just Iranian migrants, but also kind of gives us a look at uh, how women who are abused and are running for uh, shelter. Because I don't know a lot about that either. So it was it was both an interesting look at Iranian migrants and also that other factor as well. So I I appreciate both perspectives. Um, and as much as that is like it, and that was all really well done, and the majority of the film tells a really compelling story in a really compelling way. This one scene for me really like rained on that parade. Yeah, it, it's it's funny when I watch a film and I sit there and I think to myself, this is a film that Max would definitely like more than I will. And then that scene happened that I, I did have a thing like, maybe, because I don't know, it was very much like, this not something you've ever complained to me about, but I was watching and going, I don't think Max really enjoyed that sequence. <laughs> I was like thinking about you while watching the movie. It was very cute, actually. I'm an adorable young man. And so, but yeah, look, uh, I thought it was decent. Um, it's very much a you film, not yeah. a me film. Uh, it's good. It's good. I won't say it's not good, but I definitely knew you were getting more for it than, from it than I was, and I knew you were enjoying it more than I was. Yeah, it, it, it's again, and we've talked about this and um, character-driven drama before. This was our uh, K-drama episode all over again, basically. Um, a, little, a little bit, but um, it, again, it's not super plot-heavy. It's It's um, revolves around basically this one month leading up to is it the divorce no it's the islamic new year not noruz i think is how you pronounce it i'm probably wrong um i gotta hope you're wrong so i don't, don't feel left out uh come out uh, in anyway, the comments <laughs> yep um hate mail it's sort of around this and the tensions around not being able to be part of her community because the expectations of her and what it means to be married in a reasonably religious Islamic community, what it means to be raising a child as a single mother um, when uh, you don't have a lot of options in a country that is not um, somewhere you've lived forever. Mm. And I think that's like one of my favorite little like shots is she's in the Persian supermarket picks up a packet of saffron and it's $70. I couldn't see what much it was. It was too quick. It was, it was $70 and it's Is like really it tiny <laughs> packet of saffron. And Saffron's like, expensive. Saffron's really expensive. It's nowhere near that amount. That's nowhere near as expensive. It's worth more than gold, man. But it's nowhere near as expensive in Iran and other places in the Middle East. Um, to get it's it to somewhere gold. like Australia, it's so, so expensive um, and it's just sort of that dichotomy of culture and um, reality. And I think the film does a really good job about um, showcasing that and then doing that in the context of being in a really tough place and not having control over the situations that you're put in and specifically about um, the like patriarchal, patriarchal abuse um, that can happen in these sort of tight-knit religious communities um, or any sort of tight-knit communities um, mm. can suffer from this sort of ostracizing when people go against the expectations um, of, of the mass of the masses. And um, I think um, this movie does a really good job of that. Um, and this is probably also a no small part to the fact that a lot of this movie was based off the experience of the director's mother. Um, so there's another yes. joining point for you is um, not only are both of these films about uh, women in uh, or leaving Iran and about their experiences, but also uh, semi-autobiographical. One more than the other. But one more yeah. than the other, but uh, in both cases as well. And I think, again, this this... Um, also really ties really nicely into um, the fact that uh, the what we were saying before about um, the Nobel Peace Prize being awarded to someone who is actively looking at um, combating it right now, like combat combating that sort of um, 
patriarchal dominance is in Iranian society. And I think this movie both like showcases it in a way that's compelling and also showcases it in a way that allows me as someone who is not in that community and uh, will never be in that community a, a glimpse into um, what that's like. I do think that's actually something we didn't commend Persepolis for this, but I'll, I'll do it now because this is something that's for, good for both films is that it does provide a very good gateway for someone who's not in those communities and those cultures to have a look at what it's like to be in those communities. And I think this movie does it better or not. No, sorry, not better. Wrong word choice, but it does it more because that's more about what's aiming for us as well. This is more of a study of a culture than Persepolis was because Persepolis is very much a very personal story about someone combating and trying to live inside that culture where this is very much just about the culture itself. And so I do, I did find it interesting to see those, those moments. Those, that's what really intrigued me. But I think films that rely solely on character interaction, just, I find it hard. I need a good mix because I don't like just plot either. I will get irritated if a character sucks and I don't like a character, but I'm just watching it for the plot. I need both. I need a mixture of both. I need stuff to be happening and I need to have characters that, uh, I mean, obviously that's probably what the best film is right is like one that has both really good plot and really good character that's me just saying that's like what a good mo- i like good movies max did you know this <laughs> me mitchell hill <laughs> who would have thought who could have thunk it but basically that's that and i think i definitely think a movie with good characters and no plot will do better than a movie with good plot and no character bad characters and i will commend this film for doing such a good job with its characters and its relationships and its cinematography is really nicely understated. It's because it's clearly not going for something flashy. And I don't think flashy would have worked for this film either. I think it suited the theme and the genre that it was very well. I just have a hard time remaining invested in something that's very that's just character driven. But I believe this is a debut film from the director it's her first feature film yeah which is still still uh very impressive she's done a very good job and i'm excited to see what else she does because i think she has a really good eye and she's a good writer as well and she managed to grab some extraordinarily good performances from her actors because the acting in this is also very good except the the child did annoy me this time uh, I think that was deliberate, but it still happened, and I didn't like being annoyed. So that's frustrating. Yeah, I, I, I got a. I, I saw this with um, my parents, who were both very keen to watch this film, um, and I got a sort of a mixed response from them. I had one one of them say um, the child acting was pretty good, and one of them say that they absolutely hated it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. Choices were made. I think there was definitely a decision made on how the child acting should go, and I think they stuck to it. But I think it was a bad decision, and you shouldn't have done that. It, it, it's um. Imagine writing the character that's basically you as the most irritating thing in the whole film. Um, it's it's just, it feels a little bit flat at times, and 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 it's uh, it's a hard thing to criticize when when you're talking about child actors because um obviously they're not. Um, like full-grown actors with heaps of experience, um, mm. and they haven't gone like, to Juilliard yet. Yeah, exactly. And um, in a film like this, you're going to prioritize Iranian um actors as well. Who, mm. Sorry, who aren't as typically successful in um Hollywood and 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 film and television, um, uh, because of the white patriarchal masculine dominance. You said of, male. Film and television me- media. Mas- masculine and patriarchy is kind of like twice. the same thing. Point is, one's better point than is, the other. What, what? What? Point is, I'm digging a hole. I'm digging point, a hole. Is, let's go, to, let's go down, is, baby. The point is, Pacific Ocean, here we come. We wouldn't go to the Pacific, we'd go to the Atlantic. I'm an idiot. Iranian actors aren't common. Normally um, thought of in uh, 
like blockbuster feature films. And as a result, there's a lot less um, represent, yeah, representation. And then also, this is a film made in Australia, which has. I don't know what I'm has going a, with. Has that. A, I has don't a, know has what it, I'm going but with. Australia has a has a smaller population. Uh, I was going to say it has a know. dead film industry. I mean, it's vaguely alive. Yeah, it's dragging I mean, itself around it's, without it's, legs it's, and its, it's bowels trying are hanging to, out. It's trying to keep yeah. going. It's held together by it's festivals. held together by random elevated horrors that we don't like when they're released here, but only like once America gives the seal approval for, and then urban misery porn on the dry too, the wet. The wet will save Australians film. What was I saying? Yeah, I think... Um, the, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I think there were moments where the kid was really good. Um, I keep saying the kid. I should probably refer Selena to Selena Zahednia? Yes, Selena Zednia. Zednia? Zednia? I don't know. I'm... I'm. That sounds better than what I said. Gonna stop. I'm just gonna call her Selena. Selena um, does do... Um, there's some good stuff and some, some really bad effectively, stuff. Yeah. And there's some that falls a little bit flat, I think. And um, that's like a risk that you're going to have with child actors. And I don't think that's inherently like, um, this is not me saying like, she's a bad actor and she's never going to make it anywhere. Because uh, I, I don't think You also just true. don't have the uh, the call for that. You, you don't have the power to make that happen. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not the Australian film You're not Australian Steven Spielberg. Australian Roger Ebert. No, what? we're not Australian old Roger Ebert, are we? Because he's a reviewer. He's like the most famous reviewer ever, though. So we don't we don't spit that at all. I mean, I guess for Australian, we actually have really good numbers. There were there. <laughs> what? Who are the people who didn't know oh, movies? I know who you're talking about, and I don't remember their name. They were Australian. They, and they also were Australian as well. So it's, it's, we're the Australian version of two Australians. I, mean, yeah, I think at that point, we're more at that Australian. Point we'll be, we're the white only male young versions of them because <laughs> one of them was a, a female both of them were white we don't have to say white we can just say male and young so yeah she, like her acting was um <laughs> like i i look i would i did say mention before that i thought she was good and i do want to say now that there were moments that were a bit like but i have a lot of leeway for child actors because i was semi one not in film just on the stage as i talked about in the theater and i get that it's rough and so i'm all happy to give child actors a little bit of leeway if they manage to get the emotion across and they manage to get enough across for me to buy into what's going on also children just talk stupid and act like really awkward anyway so i can kind of like buy into it but G is just really annoying. Written that way, that's not an acting choice, or well, that is an acting choice. But like, they, she was directed to be and is written to be really annoying at some points, and I think that is deliberate. She is deliberately annoying. But I agree. That I agree. doesn't I make it better. <laughs> I I think I think a lot of like the genuine criticism from this film comes from choices that were mm. made, um, which. Uh, I, Such I as think, giving you a seizure and annoying children. Yeah. Um, I think, like, this is not me saying this forgives these no. things, but um, just because it's a deliberate choice doesn't mean it's good. The biggest issues that yeah. you, if you, if if you, if you, if your biggest issues are things that you've decided to do, then I think you're like on a good path, like pretty close to the like pretty yeah. good you damn close to the right track um, because if like the, if the worst thing that we can pick up on is a couple of deliberate choices that stylistically like, just didn't work for us way, stylist, yeah. yeah then honestly that's a it's a good sign you got um, some good I shit think, going on in there like we're not talking about hey you can't hold a camera hey you literally can't get these people to act hey where the fuck's your sound at it, we're, we're like yeah look you did a good job but Try this differently next time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as a result, I'd be really keen to see um, what else. I already said um, that. Nora Nias. N- I sorry. said that. You're stealing my bit now. I said I'm excited to see what she does next. Well, I'm allowed to be excited yeah, too, Mitchell. I'm more excited because I said it first. I think that's how it works, right? Sure. You're just saying that to, you're just you saying that to placate me. Did you want to do stores? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> fuck. Yes. Um, all right. Well, I gave, I gave 
Shader, uh, three heartwarming mother-daughter relationships, and a half-assed attempt by her abusive father out of five. I'm surprised we have the same score. Uh, I gave it three wrong buses and an inaccurate logo out of five. I thought you were going to like it more. I'm I'm surprised. I, did the, did- I did. I I think I did. And and the thing that really drags it down to me is is that um, streaming the scene. Bus. Uh, it the the bus like it was stupid. The strobing scene was um, not good, and um, the bus is excusable think, on yeah. budget reasons. The strobing sequence is a deliberate choice that made my eyes water, and I felt like uh, the main character from Clockwork Orange, which is a reference I made earlier, but maybe got drowned out. <laughs> so I think um, if that had been done slightly differently, even if it was slightly less or slightly more deliberate. Um, I think, I think cause it's like the whole scene is like that and it doesn't need to be cause the whole scene doesn't need to be so intense. I think if it was once we hit a point of actual tension, cause she's just dancing for most of that. And we're not, we're not tense during that part, but once it hits the scene, like once we think that the husband is there, then it becomes a scene of tension. Then that starts to happen. That would work a lot better. It's it's just why is the whole scene like that, man? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I, for me, like it, that was just enough to to knock off that half a star. So it would have been a four star without that scene. I I, re- I think that this film would have been a four star for me without that scene. But um, yeah, unfortunately, that's uh, as I was saying. Yeah, not many films have that big cross mark for me, but um. Yeah, this this scene, this one scene. Uh, That's did. funny because it it crawled its way to its point five for me. Like I was like, I think this is a three. No, maybe a three point five, and then I gave it a three point five because I was like, it's pretty good. Like I I shouldn't be mean to it. It's a good film, and also I do want to commend the efforts of a first time feature filmmaker. That's it's very impressive. It's better than anything I've ever done. I've tried to make a short film once, and it crashed and burned, and it does not exist. There is some footage on my phone, which I'll never show anyone. You show me. You'll have, you, you have to it's show really me funny. Now. There's some funny bloopers, but beyond that, I don't know if I want to. Cause it's really embarrassing. <laughs> this has been the Blockbusted Podcast. I've been Mitch. I've been Max. You can send us questions, reviews, and warranted hate mail at blockbustedpotty at gmail.com. That's potty, spelled P-O. Woody, I've been told that when um, that gets Googled, it comes up with like potty training. That is funny. And I think we should maintain that. It it kind of represents the quality that we are providing. Uh, You can also find us on X, formerly known as Twitter, at the username BBPotty. You can find us on Instagram with the username BBPotty. And I forgot to change to TikTok, so it's still Blockbusted Potty. This week, I couldn't think of an appropriate thing to say at the end because I, I just couldn't really think of a joke. I just didn't want to as well. It felt kind of wrong. Just feel like, 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 do something like go <laughs> this week. Try some, some try some food. food from the Middle East. How does that sound? What's what's your favorite Middle Eastern food, Mitch? I spent a long a, a few weeks in Israel, and I think just like kind of like kebab with nice pizza and dip is nice. How about you? Yeah, I made a touch in, but it collapsed. God, we're good. <laughs>